Welcome to the Underscore Transformation Podcast. My name is Joe Ailes. And my name is Jason West. And together we're the founders of Underscore. In season two, we're focusing on implementation and the challenges that surround making changes to policy, process, systems, and team structures. If you'd like to know more about scoping a transformation program, please take a listen to season one. Today's episode is number seven of our 10-point transformation checklist, and we're focusing on data. So data is the lifeblood of business. It really helps you understand past performance, predict future performance, and informs decisions every day. Implementing new systems as part of a transformation initiative really shines a spotlight on your data structure, your data architecture, and maturity of the data that you've got within your systems. So understanding the data you have today, the data you need tomorrow, and how you're going to extract the data from your current systems and possibly load it into new ones are essential to the success of your program. So, Jason, a subject quite close to your heart. Last week, I was the geek on integrations and reporting. So today, you're going to be the geek on data. Uh, So what are the common challenges, Jason, around data um, that we've found in delivering our various transformation programs over the years? I've got a feeling I'm going to be referring a lot of this right back. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see how I do. Yeah, yeah. This is your your examination. Yeah, okay. So you're you're going to tell me how I'm doing and get real-time feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Listeners will uh, will enjoy that. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> um, so I think the, the the first place to start is really on your current data, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know when when you scoped out your your program, hopefully you you found all of the nooks and crannies that data's been hiding in, and uh, it's not uncommon as you start delving mm-hmm. into it to find. Uh, lots of data in lots of different places, in numerous formats, in uh, you know dusty old systems, in you know, people's drawers, in uh, mm. you know sort of Excel <laughs> files. Um, and normally, mm. uh, as you start delving into it, you start uh, getting uh, minor stress headaches around data retention policies and mm. and all that sort of stuff, and probably rightly so, because as soon as you start looking at anything, you you tend mm. to uncover some stuff. Mm. Um, so the first thing is really make sure you've 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 uncovered everything, uh, so you really understand the the full extent of the data that that you're you're having to bring in or potentially bring into your new system, um, and you know don't be surprised that during the course of of uh, your program that uh, you find new data sets that you you suddenly need to do something with. But I think that first port of call is making sure during scoping you've actually really found everything that you need to 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 find. Mm and you spend some real time and energy on it. Um, So typically what you'll find is that your data is not quite as clean not quite as reliable as you need it to to be. So the the data is not as as uh, you know clean or reliable or accurate as you really need it to be. And in fact, a, a lot of the reasons mm. why you could be starting this transformation path could re- be related to the fact that you don't have good, solid, mm. reliable data on which to base decisions. Um, uh, and that's you know great for a business case, but when it comes to the practicalities of then needing to do something about it, it can be a bit of a challenge if you don't have that kind of single version of the truth for your data today mm. um, you're starting from quite a messy place so mm. that that's kind of often quite a challenge so you really do need to make sure that you you apply enough resource and time to cleaning up the data in your in your current systems before you think about moving mm. it into the new world uh, and that often you know raises some questions about well who owns this data? Mm. 
uh, in a lot of organizations, it's not clear. It's mm. really, there's nothing yeah. documented that says these the, the, these data sets are owned by these individuals. Uh, so you, you're kind of having to address some of that as part of um, uh, this program. Mm. So before you get to implementing systems, having um, uh, done some work around where is the data, who mm. owns it, and then cleaning it up uh, and making sure that people are made uh, are made accountable for mm. the quality of that data. Yeah, and, and typically the project is the first time that a spotlight is is placed. Um, a project like this is probably the first time that a spotlight is placed on the quality of that data set. Yeah, those data data sets have probably never been seen before. Um, uh, or, they, or been so exposed. Yeah. Uh, when you implement a new system, inevitably you're going to push out self-service. Individuals are going to have more access to more information uh, in real time um, than probably the system that you're trying to replace. Um, which, uh, you know, uh, and this is, the, you, you don't want to be in a position where you turn it on and, uh, hey, presto, and what you see is <laughs> um, a load of um, uh, data that's come from a legacy system that's not... Um, great data set. Yeah, and when when you think through who who are the right mm. people to be accountable for cleaning up that data, process owners, isn't it? It's yeah. got to be. It's got to be those that are responsible for data that's processed in in the processes that those process owners are accountable for. And actually, if you're going to push out self service as well, make the accountability of some individuals for maintaining their own data, but be yes. sure um, that you describe that accountability for them but do some groundwork on that data set before you make it visible to those individuals yes, so yeah. the, the, like you said the data data quality data audits and etc etc yeah yeah and, and fixing it in your current systems today um, rather than uh, through your data extract transformation and load and we'll get on to that yeah and, absolutely know, where, where, where it, it makes sense system. where it makes sense for you, for you to do so what you uh, what you shouldn't do is trying to invent data architecture that's going to be used in a future state in your current system. Yes, yeah. So clean up what you've got there yeah. today, but don't create don't. a whole load of new data sets yeah. in, in your old system. Yeah, to, to to almost simulate what the data set's going to be like in a new system. Don't do that, but yeah. make sure that whatever data you're trans, transforming and loading in or pushing into your 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 future systems nice and clean. Yeah. And and the the reason why you want to kind of fix it in your core system mm. is kind of twofold, isn't it? There's there's the piece around um, uh, cleaning up data as you're extracting it and transforming it and loading it into mm. a new system is complex and risky yeah. and it's going to slow everything down. Mm. So fix it where it yeah. lies and, yeah. and then that kind of extract, transform. And yeah, do that whole data easier. dictionary and we uh, and last week we gave a, a master tutorial on master data management. All right, tell we? me about data dictionaries, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you about data dictionaries because oh. I'm going to get slammed yet again uh, for, <laughs> for the little knowledge I have around master data management. But, but the point is you're going to have to look at all the data structure and 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 your data tables, your uh, your data architecture before you start moving it into a in, into a new system, because yeah. that transformation, which inevitably you will have to do, um, is easy is more easily done from a, a set of robust data structures than random ones. Yeah, um, you know, I don't know. A, a very simple point, a very simple example. Um, 
Mr. Mrs. Uh, as data points. Mm -hmm. in, in If you've not got that in a structured way in a system that you're moving the data from to, the new system will expect it. So if you have a system that stores MR dot MR uppercase, lowercase, all of these things, mm -hmm. that's going to give you more pain transforming that data set as you're pushing it into a a system that will inevitably have that type of data in a structured table format or, or business object of some sort. Yes. Yeah. So spend time tidying that stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> as far as you can. As far as you can. Yeah. So the the second reason mm. why you you kind of want to make sure you're cleaning up in in your your current system is when it comes to testing. Mm. So uh, where especially if you're running parallel tests, if you've got mm. payroll and scope, for example. If you're fixing all your data errors in your extracting process, then you, there's a good chance your parallel testing is going to show up a whole load of issues mm -hmm. um, because the data sets weren't aligned to begin with. So it's mm. uh, another good reason why you want to kind of get mm. that, that, mm. that done right up front. So the other area that you need to focus on is new data. Mm. So all of those new data sets, that new structured data, the, the new transactional mm. data that's going to get created as you switch on new functionality, um, but with that new functionality often comes the, mm. the need to create a whole new set of data mm. because you'll be perhaps transacting processes that you haven't mm. transacted before. Yeah. You're switching on new areas of, of systems that, that you know, are going to require some information and data. Um, and that's going to cover the configuration data, those kind of drop-down lists, the, mm. the master data and any, any reference data that, that might be required. Um, and again, the accountability for designing those data sets and those structures and those hierarchies mm. should really rest with the process owners. Mm. So it's not just the data cleanup that sits with the process owners, it's it's the design, the of, design the of it and the purpose of it, yeah. yeah. We've seen far too many examples where as part of a program, people talk about, oh, wouldn't it be a good idea if, oh, gosh, we've got that feature in, in, in that system, can we just turn it on, please, Yeah, and, and enable it? Be careful. Be, sh be sure that you understand what's the purpose, what is it that we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Only because the system has the capability of capturing some data, it doesn't necessarily make it appropriate to do so. Yeah, or but, this might not be the right place to capture it. Yeah. There might be another system as part of the overall architecture yeah. that, that might be a better place to, to but, hold yeah. it. But look at it, um, look at it strategically. What is it that you're trying to do? With the processes that you're trying that you're, you're pushing through, or the policies that you're that you're trying to embed within 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 the system, and don't be dazzled by the the bright lights of of a feature that exists that you think oh it'd be great to have it, but actually, does it deliver any value or any real benefit yes, to yeah. to the original business case that we created from the outset? Yeah, it just adds complexity. Um, to your to your build to the data points and ultimately you've got an end user that's probably not where it, that will end up with a system in front of them that doesn't quite understand why yes why why are you asking me for yeah. this information yeah what what are you going to do with it just make sure that you've got the purpose of of any data that you're asking people to complete well understood and well defined yeah with a solid policy ideally behind it as well. Yes, so yeah. that people can understand the value in in them providing that type of information, because more and more of this of these systems are pushing more and more self service functionality to individuals. Yeah, um, and uh, again, it can projects can sometimes get a little bit um, 
excited about the ability to capture all of this information yeah, that we've never had happy. before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've got all this information we've not had before. Wouldn't it be great to capture it all? Yeah, wouldn't it be great if we could ask people for their shoe size? Yeah. That would be brilliant. Yeah, oh, but, wow. Yeah, well, yeah. why? Well, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Why do we need to know that? <laughs> yeah, because it's it's good to have. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah, so, uh, unless you need to order them some PPE and uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, some nice steel toe cap boots If it has relevant, but the likelihood is that you'd have been asking that data set in yes. processes they're already embedded in your in, in, in a way of working yeah so just just be mindful of that yeah i think um and uh you know having having uh, somebody play that kind of external uh, advisory type yeah. role that we've talked about in other episodes that that just being able to sense check some of this are you sure you really need yeah. that you know because this is data that's going to need to be maintained mm. somebody's going to have to input someone's going to have to report on it is you know do the, just because you can doesn't mean you should absolutely yeah um, so the other people to involve in the, the, those design decisions around uh, data sets so that your process owners are going to be mm. going through is, is your data architects mm. or architect. Um, because uh, as much as finance, HR, procurement, uh, you know, uh, mm. uh, process owners are going to be coming up with all these cool new mm. functionality and new uh, data sets that are required, um, it's got to fit into the rest of the enterprise architecture that this data probably isn't just residing in your system. It needs mm. to be fed out into in, into the uh, the bigger uh, yeah. enterprise-wide systems. Yeah, yeah. So having a data architect involved mm. uh, as part of those design meetings, mm. as part of um, that ongoing design process, is is going to be important mm. uh, to make sure that it, anything that you do will fit with uh, reporting requirements, system requirements of, of, mm. of other systems. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, and this is any 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 system that you're implementing, you should have a cross-functional view of of of, of, of the data set. So, yeah. because in a lot of cases, the data that's stored in your system is probably mastered elsewhere. Mm. You know, cost center structures, for instance. Yes. You know, um, we've seen many projects in 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 a you know HR projects for instance they don't pay too much attention to finance information yes and yeah. it's just uh, they just think well it's uh, cost center structures are really not that important to um, to to the to the to the HR world well guess what they are because uh, ultimately you're going to de design approval processes that rely on on de uh, delegated authority uh, yes. processes that finance will probably have in place they rely on their cost center structure and and uh, it, it might not be unheard of for uh, people to want to know how many heads or FTE they yes. have or the cost of headcount in a yeah. particular cost center. So, yeah, yeah getting that right is going to yeah. make your life easier um, when it comes to switching this thing on and people yeah. ask you for, for, for some reports yeah. that you suddenly go, oh, yes, yeah. that's going to be a bit tricky. Yeah. If you, yeah, it's just make sure that you're not um, developing data structure in isolation Yeah, uh, and not just lift and shift what you you've got from your legacy system into new one yeah really think holistically um about the entire data set and all the processes that you're trying to execute now that you probably weren't executing you were executing manually before but now you're going to probably digitalize the whole thing yeah so you've got to start bringing in um, people from across the organization and a data architect will hopefully be Help will help the spot the program lead the transformation lead and and provide some assurance to the program sponsor that the the dots are being joined yes yeah uh, across across the the enterprise wide systems yeah 
So the other area for process owners to to think about when they're thinking about data, weirdly, mm. is people. Mm. Yeah. Is what is the user experience? Yeah. So it's uh, you know it's all very well having having this ability to create lots of uh, new new data with lots mm. of new nice new drop down lists or whatever it is, um, but try and describe things in plain language yeah. that people will understand. So you know if you've uh, often legacy systems require some pretty arcane mm. alphanumeric <laughs> codes. Mm. Try not to put them into your bright new shiny system if you can avoid yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, you know, explain it in plain language. If if you've got an office in Frankfurt, call it Frankfurt. Yeah, uh, don't call it DE zero 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 three because your you know ancient Oracle system somewhere down the road might or SAP or JD Edwards yeah, or yeah. Pick, pick your choice <laughs> yeah. of of old database system yeah. needs a particular yeah. coding. Try not to put that into a, yeah. a new system deal with that that translation in an integration mm, um, you know, that, that's where the design of your integrations mm. the design of your processes your user experience all comes together yeah and this is your opportunity to design a data set and a data structure to again reverting back to my uh, <laughs> uh my uh, master subject of uh, master data management, but yes. yeah, no, this master is your, data your, oh, master your data new, Joe. Master data Joe. Oh, gone, well, your point being I master know. data Joe. <laughs> yeah. That you're going to create. Um, use this as op this opportunity to create your new data dictionary, your new data catalog. Yeah. Um, and then use your transformation tool set to convert old legacy codes, binary codes that you've got from your legacy system into a, a new shiny Frankfurt label. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with that. And uh, there's nothing worse than seeing, frankly, garbage from the old systems yeah. <laughs> landing in the new ones. It's yes. just like such a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Of course, the other area that um, process owners need to focus mm. on is the, the new transactional data that's going to get created with the implementation of um, uh, new technology and if if that data is going to add any value then it's got to be reported on someone's got to review it and needs to be interpreted and then actions taken off it otherwise kind of to yeah. the earlier point why, why are you collecting it mm. um, so it's really process owners that need to decide who can view that, mm -hmm. those, that new transactional data, who, who's going to transact it and who's going to report on it. So it kind of then ties into the whole security design oh. uh, of the system. So these things are, are, are all related because it's not just the system that then needs to line up with your target operating model. Yeah. So having that kind of read across all the way from your vision, your strategy, your target operating model, all the way down into the processes and, and ultimately the data and who can see and do what with that data. Yeah, I mean, the, the process owner should be designing these future processes and these data sets, knowing full well what the target operating model is for the for that function or the business, you know, because yes. um, otherwise they'll be making um, decisions in, in isolation of that. Yeah. Um, so having your target operating model articulated up front is going to inform how the process owners are going to design you know, processes or policies they're going to um, transact the, these various data sets. Yeah, yeah absolutely right. And I think we, we, one of our next future episodes of ours is going to be on target operating model. Yes, yeah, where, it is, yeah. you know, um, So that's, that's coming. So, yeah, it's... Um, and, of course, we covered it in the scoping uh, <laughs> yeah. series as well, so season one. And the, I think the other area that, that 
programs get into difficulty is when design teams of so your process mm. owners wait until the system implementer is there sat in front of them in a room to then only then start thinking about new data sets and and you're mm. then rushing around trying to figure out oh crikey we're going to have to design mm. a, a new job architecture a new general ledger yeah you know, we've got all these suppliers the whatever it's going to uh, be i wouldn't want to be the program manager or, or the transformation lead or indeed the sponsor <laughs> if that's the case uh, yes. in a situation where you're finding out what data do i need to think about when you've got the system integrator or the implementation partners sat in front of you yeah. uh, asking you to make decisions about how you want to transact this process in the future um yeah it's not a good place to be no if you if you're if you're r- rushing around creating and designing new data sets on the fly and uh, at best it's going to have some repercussions on the usability mm. of the system uh at worst it could make, you know it could seriously delay your program you might have to push the go live back or yeah. even worse than that you could be making major um, structural changes to your data um, once the thing's in production mm. and then your cost just goes yeah. through the roof so really focus on getting this right yeah. up front and get the process owners thinking about data design before yeah. you get into um, system system implementers in the room and you know there are prerequisites aren't there in 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 different functions, I'm sure, you know, mm. having your GL. Um, if you've got, if you're moving in, in finance, I'm sure if you're moving from a number of different uh, ERP systems into one, um, having a, um, um, a structured GL going forward is something that yeah. you might want to do before you get a system integrator in a room. If you're implementing an HR system, having your job architecture, your, um, your reward architecture, all well-defined, before you get the system integrated into the room, yes, because um, a lot, an awful lot of processes and system design will rely on having that data structure already in place. And if you haven't got that before you sign contracts with system integrators and before you start going into workshops, make sure that you've done that ground that that uh, groundwork on that data set before you before you you start. Yes, because yeah, of course it may be, say, you, you, you've you got uh, different types of supply mm. in, in procurement and you miss one type. Yeah. Um, so one type of service or you know, so some some category of, of supplier. If you then need to add that in post-go-live, uh, you've got to work through where which processes are going to transact mm-hmm. that. Um, what configuration changes are we going to have to make where where that data set's going to need to be transacted or mm. at least decisions made about not transacting it? Um, so you've got to think then about security, about reporting, about integrations. What are the, Even if that data is not required by downstream systems, you put it into your new shiny new system, you probably need it to will exclude appear. it. <laughs> yeah, it will, or it will appear on some sort of integration downstream yeah. that will make that system fail. Yes. Um, and, yeah. And you know, the amount of regression testing that you have to do when you're making changes to core data structure can't be underestimated. Yeah, uh, it's much better to have had all of that up fr- done designed up front. You've got a, develop- a set of development systems. You've got a project team yes. that's there. Um, you know, everyone's equipped to, to to test all of this, all of the all of these processes, these systems. Use that time to do that activity. Don't do it post go live. Post go live is absolutely it's roadmap. Is is roadmap items, and you will inevitably pick up some bits and pieces as the end users get their hand on, hands on the system for the first time. Um, 
you know, you, you will be making changes. But if you're making fundamental changes to core data structure, post go live on day one, day two, month one, month two, it, it's uh, somewhat risky. You're listening to the Underscore Transformation podcast. For more practical guidance to business transformation, download our transformation checklist at underscore-group.com forward slash insights. So it's always best to err on the side of mm. caution if you're considering uh, including or not including a certain class of data, whether that's a type of headcount or a type of customer, mm. you're better off including it, mm. even if you don't actually have any data to put in there at the moment or any processes to transact today, mm. it's better to include it during implementation. Yeah, so future-proof it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you've got those kind of... those those. Mm structures to hang new data mm. off even if you don't have that that data available mm. today because it's it's just very painful adding yeah. those major setup structures right up front oh later people might turn um technology vendors or um system, you know integration um system integrators and implementation partners might tell you otherwise mm. right ah, it's easy to make configuration changes it's easy but it's it, it and it may well be easy. It's the the impact of making that change that that it's can have a profound effect, right? Um, yeah, I think it's easy making changes to processes. It's not easy making changes to data. I think that's to, probably to data structure. Yeah, yeah to data Abs structure. No, I, 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 yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, get it right up front. That's yeah. Kind of key yeah try and get that. it right first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've done your design, you uh, you understand where all your, your legacy mm. data is and how clean or otherwise it is, and you've taken steps. You've designed new data structures, but now you need to mm. start implementation. So you've been through all your design workshops, everything's gone swimmingly. You, you need to extract data from legacy systems. You need to transform it into a, a format that the new system can recognize, mm. and then you need to load it in. So yeah. that whole data ETL, yeah. as, as it's uh, known in the trade. As yes, extract, transform, and load, yeah, isn't it? That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Um, People might think we're experts in this space, yeah. Yeah, well, who knows? We, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so where you've got... Um, uh, so software as a service, mm. cloud technology is there's nearly you know all these functional transformation programs are now um, uh, enabled, enabled by. by yeah. um, you typically have several prototypes that need to be built during the life of the program. So your your need to have a really robust and mm. repeatable process for extracting data, transforming it, and loading it is is. Um, uh, central to the success of the technical parts of the program mm. because uh, at best, if you don't have that really slick, you you cause delays. Yeah. At worst, you uh, enter errors in as mm. you transform, for example. So when it comes to that data ETL side, well, what are the what are the kind of what's the best approach to it? What are the the key considerations from your from mm. your perspective? Understanding the data structure that you've got within your systems today, and understanding the data structure that your new system requires. Yeah. And then you've got a bit in the middle. How do I convert that data set into the new one? Yeah. Um, as much as possible, depending again, depending on the size of the program, um, maybe get some sort of middleware transformation soft software mm -hmm. middleware that does that in an automated way, so that this process has to be repeatable. It yes. cannot take an eternity to gather data from different systems, different countries. 
uh, and and then sitting there manually transforming it just wouldn't be sensible. Yeah. So if if you find your your you've got people ma- manipulating stuff in Excel before loading it into a new system, be really worried. Yeah. That's if not what you want to see. Single country, uh, single country implementation. It's a fairly small business. Fair enough. Yeah. It, it, it's it's probably doable. Uh, multi multinational, I would really not recommend it. It, yeah. it, it just consumes an awful lot of time. Um, and in in a period that you're, you're you're so constrained with time, you just don't have an awful lot of, yeah, of it. How how long would it? How how much time do you typically get given as the client to provide your your data? What's that window? It's probably about a week, two weeks, if yeah. that. Yeah. If that, if you're lucky. Yeah. yeah. And of course, the longer, the longer, and you know, a client might turn around and say, "Well, I'm going to give you this week at this point in time, which is for, I'll, I'll I'll do a, a an extract." four weeks from the time you need it, right? So, yeah. okay, I'll start working on it now. But, of course, by the time I give it to you, four weeks have passed. Yes. So that data set that I gave you, that I extracted it four weeks ago, is no longer accurate. Yeah. So you're, you've got to have a set of, a set of ETL processes that are, um, that are routinely executed and extract the data set that the system needs as close to that the point that it needs it so so that you don't have an awful lot of lag between yes. and data catch up and so on and so forth yeah, um, because the start point for each of these prototype builds is you providing your data to the implementation yeah. partner so yeah. the clock doesn't start running on that build until you've given them the exactly, data exactly exactly so you, you and when it comes to go live and production you've really got to be extracting the data set um, almost as close to that go live as possible. Yeah, last possible minute. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise it's just that whole data catch-up yeah, thing. Yeah, you've got an awful, got... Lot of, an awful lot of data catch-up to do. Um, so, yeah, uh, automated processes. And, and interestingly, one of the things that um need to think about is if you're going into um, um, a, a transformation program that's over, I don't know, two or three years and with different phases and, uh, across different geographies, you don't don't assume that those geographies are uh, are going to be ready um, to give you the data set mm-hmm. you need when they're ready to go live. So make sure that globally you do that that work up front. Even if those geographies don't go live for two or three years, they need to be you operating to the same data structures, the same data sets. Yeah. Uh, from the outset. Yeah, so you've documented your data strategy, your ETL process, all, all that is is well understood by yeah. everybody globally and you've rehearsed it as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, and you need to be sure that those geographies, they're going to come online you know, a year later, two years later, um, have got the data set and the, and the, stru- the, the structured data the new system requires it. So uh, it, what you don't want to do is rock up to a country and say, right, I need this data in this way. And they'll say to you, well, I've never had that data set before. Yes. Yeah. Because if you if you had known that, you might have made some fundamentally different decisions in terms of your data structure from the outset. Yeah. Uh, especially in federated business models as well, where maybe a, maybe a country or a business unit has the right to govern it, to, to manage itself as it wishes. Um, you, you, th- these things become more and more relevant don't they because yeah. you will end up in a situation where your sort of master data that you're trying to master in a new system doesn't exist 
So this is a, 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 a deeply technical area that's fundamental yeah. to, to the success of the program. So it's another one of those areas where you need technical expertise. So yeah. um, and that that's kind of twofold. This this data ETL process requires people that understand the data structures and the operation of your current systems and are able to extract the data really effectively and quickly and reliably. Yeah. But you also need experts in the data structures and, and the requirements of your new system. Mm. And they, they do the transformation and load piece. Mm. So it's a combined team of mm. uh, external people that you bring in on a contract or a consultancy basis working on your side, not not the system implementation, the implementation yeah. partner side, but on your side as the client. And they work with your internal IT team. And there's got to be a really good relationship there because that they need to form this really effective, mm. um, repeatable process between them. Uh, and it, it's it's an area where it's unlikely that those skill sets will sit inside your organization. So yeah. be sure that as you're, as you're planning the resources on this the, this program that you, you've got uh, a sufficient budget and headcount mm. to, to bring those people yeah. in. Yeah, again, we've seen, we've seen programs where they've resourced um, these sort of data leads internally. Yeah. And uh, it, it really—it's not until the second or third iteration of that that design, that prototype, that they become fully aware of what data is required and and in in what format and its purpose. Yes. Um, you know, in in some of the projects we've seen, the, you know, the data gathering workbooks or whatever you want to call them, um, there's some sort of specific nuances within those. That, frankly people don't understand and there's so many of them yeah it's really hard for the person who has not had experience of implementing that particular bit of technology in the past to get their head around yeah um and they don't know what questions to ask of the the, the systems implementation partner either so it it the more knowledge you've got of of that system and the data that's required in that system in your team up front the more um the better manage your risk is going to be yeah. because outside of integrations, data, data heavily related to it is, is another yeah. major risk area for, for yeah. any program that's implementing technology. Yeah. The, so when it comes to those data loads, one of the things that um, not everybody does is rehearse the, the, that ETL process. Mm. Um, and the, whether that's rehearsing before um, the, each prototype, but certainly... Um, uh, you know, prior to, to uh, pushing all this new data into what will be your production mm. environment, um, that can be really problematic if if all you do is just a one-off load and you haven't had time to practice it mm. to, to make sure that it's all working as expected, that before you hit the load that you've tested the extract and transformation process mm. doesn't introduce errors, doesn't doesn't cause mm. issues. So as a transformation lead, when you're talking to your 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 data lead, you want to make sure that they they've included within their plan and a sufficient time to test yeah. the, the the process and rehearse it ahead of uh, the final loads into prototype or production. Yeah, because you've only got you, you haven't got many opportunities to do this. Mm. Um, so, in a typical project, you might provide that data set two or three times. Yeah, um, and you haven't got 
you know, if you, you might get it wrong the first time, but you shouldn't be getting it wrong the second time. Yes, yeah. Uh, and but and the third time is likely to be a production environment, so you, you're going to be struggling yeah. if if you're if you've not got that process and that totally nailed down. Yeah, and if if the, if you're a program sponsor, one of the real watchouts is that if you see the data quality in your prototypes mm. falling rather than increasing, so the data quality getting worse with each mm. iteration, that's a real red flag that you've got some serious problems in your, your data ETL mm. process. So something to, to really look out for. And uh, as a sponsor, it's one of those things that should be on the regular check-in with, with the te- technical team or certainly part of the exec steer co that you, you have a, a standing section on data as, as you're mm. going through the life of the implementation. Yeah. When you go live, you don't want to be in a situation where... Uh, the sponsor is getting feedback uh, from the end user community on poor data quality, poor data structure after it's gone live. Yeah. Because you've not taken enough care in the transformation um, process for low, you know, to load this data into the new system. And you can take a strategic view as part of mm-hmm. um, your, your program. You can say, you know what? That we, we actually don't know what the correct data is for for yeah. a bunch of this because it might be related to individuals and yeah. and you don't there is no good quality data anywhere and the only way to find out is by asking them yeah so it's it's not it's not uncommon or unreasonable to use the launch of the system to clean up some of that data mm. which is fine as long as you communicate that yeah. right up front and, and it's you, a conscious decision yeah isn't it, from the from the program and a sponsor and a sponsor yeah. understands the the ramifications of uh, of that yeah um but yeah it's uh but there are certain data sets you know if you don't know someone's um emergency contact details because you've never captured it before but it's the right thing to do going forward um and it'd be painful to do it in your legacy system fine absolutely and if you can wait until you, you're yeah. live and you capture it at that point why not yeah. do it then yeah so the final thing I think we need yeah. to just touch on is that whole data access, data privacy, security around data because, mm. you know, it was always important, but in a world of GDPR with mm. almost infinite fines, it seems, mm. um, you've got to really play clo- close attention to this because mm. ultimately um, the, the law applies equally during implementation as it does when you're in production. It's, it's the same. Yeah, so yeah. what are those good practices around data security, data governance, that whole piece mm. that, that, that people need to ensure are in place to keep them safe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're right because a lot of these um, system implementations are actually using real data yeah. from the legacy system, loading it as a prototype or as, a, as an iteration of that design into the new system and people are, are seeing data from you know real, real production data. It's not test data. Um, so some, I've seen some organizations, they have put some good practices in place and, and some good checkpoints in place, things like NDAs, you know, non-disclosure agreement, for instance, yeah. for, for individuals that are on a project team that wouldn't typically be have access to this information, but because they're part of the project team, they will inevitably see it. So I think yeah. this is a, something for, for um, organizations to think about and actually really drive home the message that, yeah, you're in a project team, you're going to see information, whether it's about accounts, people, procurement, whatever, um, finance data that you wouldn't typically have access to before and you're not to disclose it. And this is just for the confines of the program and the project. The, 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 other, the other thing uh, to think about is accessing these 
environments, because even though you're accessing um, a, a test environment, the security protocols for accessing it should be absolutely the same as those in production. So you need to have your security specialists, your security architects from within your, your organization um, to almost sign off the way in which you're accessing that um, environment. So making sure that you got your single sign-on enabled, your two-factor authentication, all of these um, the latest sort of um, uh, security protocols that exist out there. And whatever practices you have in your organization when you're in production, try to have the same sort of uh, processes and protocols in your in your development environments. Yeah, so that, that whole uh, data governance piece needs to be as robust as it is in, a, in, in your production environment. Yeah, and then you've got your security models, right, your security roles. Um, so for the, the making sure that you're applying the same security standards to the, to the to the security model that you're putting in place within your within your development system um, that you're intending to ultimately have in production. So it's not free for all. Yeah. So you know people shouldn't even though you're in a project team, um, there are some project team members that may not be allowed to see certain data, and yes. it's, and it's a, you know they may come across it because. You know, in project mode and these things happen. Um, so that's why an NDA might be important and a message around, well, if you come, if you see it. Yeah, report it. Report it. <laughs> yeah. um, but you, you, you're applying the same type of, of process. You know, because, and, and something else to think about is as you're doing your build, you know, you're not, you're not going to have a robust security model until further down the line, right? So until your second or third iteration of your design. Don't, don't invite end users too soon into the project yeah. because your security, your security model is not probably fully, fully built yet and you're ultimately going to expose data that's within that system to individuals that wouldn't typically see it. And you do not want to start setting hairs running. Oh, I'm, I'm seeing an awful lot of data here that I wouldn't typically see. So it is really important that you invite the end users for user acceptance testing at the right time of the project, which is probably quite far into, uh, quite close to um, that sort of um go live yeah and it's frighteningly easy to check a box on one of these new cloud systems oh, yes. and accidentally send emails off to people yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and give people random access to your new tenant before yeah. all the security models in place so yeah. just it's something to be highly aware of and uh, mm. yeah certainly have it some first-hand experience of that on a program back in the day, I have yeah, to say. Yeah. But sometimes you have to learn from your mistakes. Yes, yeah, these cars want you. Yes. Yeah. So we, we've covered a lot of ground on data here. Mm. You know, you might look at it and go, you know what, this might not be the sexiest topic, but hopefully... <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> um, but hopefully you now have a greater appreciation of the opportunities, challenges and risks involved in re-architecting your data landscape. Next mm. week, we move on to testing. Yeah. So you've built all this wonderful stuff, you've designed fantastic systems, your data is in a wonderful order. You now need to make sure it really is as good as you think it is. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. We really appreciate your support. So this episode focused on one of 10 critical success factors in the build phase of transformation. We make references in this season to the scoping phase of transformation. So to learn more about scoping phase, head over to season one and look out for future seasons on transition and optimization. If you'd like to be at the front of the queue for next week's episode, please hit the subscribe button and don't forget to like the show if you found it useful.